Have you ever sat with a, uh, with a pen in your hand staring at a blank piece of paper? Well, if you have, then you're old like me because no one ever does that anymore. But, but for us older folks, maybe sitting there looking at a blank piece of paper thinking, where do I start? Or maybe you've sat with your, your hands hovering over a keyboard, uh, staring at a blank screen. Maybe you're, you're, you're preparing to write a paper for a, a school project or, Maybe you're at work and you've got, you've got to pin the words of a report that goes to, to your boss or, or maybe you're just getting ready to send a letter, an email to a family member, to a friend, uh, that, that has some importance to it. And, and you're just kind of overwhelmed with where, where do I start? Where do I begin? You, you, you know that, uh, to, to start your communication or the start of your communication will, will set the tone for what follows. You want to grab their attention. You want to give them a hint of what's to follow. You want to stress the importance or the emotion of what your treatise is about. Uh, I've been there many times uh, staring at a blank piece of paper or or hands hovering over the keyboard thinking, where where do I start? Because I know once I get started, everything else is going to flow. It's going to follow. Even if I don't like, I can go back and, and restart. But where do I start? How, how do I begin? I can't, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what it must have been like for the gospel writers. There's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I can't even imagine how the gospel writers must have felt as they, as they sat there ready to begin to to, to pin the words that God wanted them to pin. Now, they had a little bit of an advantage because there was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit there. So, so that might have played a role, but God also used the personalities and, and the characteristics of the ones who wrote that. So I, I, I imagine they stood over their, their papyrus or whatever they were writing on and, and had to think, where do I begin? And it's interesting to see how they each started their gospel because they were they were completely different and, and in different ways they started. Matthew was writing specifically to a Jewish audience and, and for Judea, Jewish audience, it was important for them to understand and for, for, for Matthew to establish a genealogical uh, connection to who Jesus was. You didn't just start out saying, Hey, this is Jesus. Listen, it was, hey, this is who Jesus connected to. This is his past. This is how, how he was related to David and to Abraham before that. So, so Matthew starts this way, his gospel, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. So, so it hit right where his readers would, would want to go. Uh, Mark, on the other hand, Mark was a little bit more of a practical guy. In fact, when you read Mark's gospel, and every gospel is a little bit different on how it approaches the story of Jesus and what stories it it uh, it has. We we preached from Mark back uh, uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, and I love Mark because Mark is just he just gets to the story. He's just about telling who Jesus was. And so when Mark starts his gospel, he says this: the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He just jumps in. And starts talking about Jesus. He just blurts it out and says, okay, here we go. And he picks up, not at the birth of Jesus, but he just starts at the ministry of Jesus. Luke, on the other hand, Luke was writing to uh, a Greek audience. He was a, 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 an educated man. He was a doctor and his treatise, his, his gospel was going to be aimed at, at lots of people, but particularly a Greek, Greek uh, audience. And, 
And for the Greeks, they needed to know that it was thought about. They needed to know that the one writing had had given careful instruction, had been given careful investigation. So so Luke starts his gospel this way, totally different than the, the two we just mentioned. Many have undertaken, this is what he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things which have been been fulfilled among us. Now, now that one doesn't, it, that doesn't grab me like the other ones do, but just as they were handed down to, to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, establish the fact that he's learned that he's investigated, it seemed good also to me to write this orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know, uh, the certainty of the things that I have been taught or that you have been taught. So, yeah, that one doesn't just jump off the page at you, but that's how, that's how Luke going to a Greek audience that would want to know the guy had thought about it and had, had, had some, some, some research behind it. But then we get to John. Then we get to John. John, what, one of the disciples, uh, uh, we, we've talked about John before, James and John, they were actually cousins of Jesus. Uh, John was, uh, if you remember from the gospel record last week of the resurrection, Remember, it was Peter and John that ran ahead to the tomb, uh, and John described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, he, he he was close to Jesus, and he starts his gospel out. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to, over the next several weeks, kind of walk our way through this gospel, this this gospel that often has been, been called the, the, the love gospel, because it talks a lot about uh, about love. It certainly, we see John who was loved by Jesus and who loved Jesus very passionately. But let's see how he starts his gospel. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you and, and follow along. John chapter one, uh, we're just going to read the first five verses. Notice how different and out, how out there this one is. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. What's he talking about? Okay, let's, let's go on. Maybe he'll he'll explain it a little more. Uh, uh, verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. I thought we we're talking about Jesus. I thought well, this is the story of Jesus. What, what, what's he talking about? In him was life, and that, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. What in the world is he talking about? Who is he? talking about okay we know it's a gospel we, we kind of have an advantage there we have a head start we know it's a gospel so we're pretty sure that he's talking about jesus um but why not start out just why, why why not start out differently what's this in the beginning stuff so so is john saying in the beginning was the word and the words with god the word was god is john saying what it seems that he's saying is he saying what I think he's saying it is a gospel it is about Jesus so he has to be referring to Jesus when he says in beginning was the word but it brings up some questions this morning let's look at at three questions that come to mind just because John starts his gospel so differently here's the first one how can it be how can it be? Now, notice a similarity between the start of John chapter 1 and the start of, of all of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God. And, and now he says, in the beginning was the Word. 
uh, and, and then goes on to, to tie that to, to God. So it brings up the question, if he's talking about, if he's talking about Jesus and, and, and how can this be, how can this word be with God and was God and was there at the beginning and was with him with, what in the world is he talking about? So, so the first question that kind of comes under, under that, how can it be is, when is he talking about? Now, remember Mark started off kind of similar. Mark said the beginning of the gospel. So, but Mark started out at, 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 at the ministry of Jesus, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. But this one's different. He's not talking about the start of Jesus' ministry. In the beginning was the word. Is not talking about, uh, uh, about Jesus starting to preach his ministry. He's talking about the beginning there as being the beginning of of creation, the the beginning of time. So, so if when he's talking about is the start of stuff, now now catch what he's saying, catch the correlation. I think he probably did, but if that's when he's talking about, the beginning was the word, and the word he's talking about, what he means there is Jesus. So in the beginning was, let me just replace it, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God from the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Then then we have to understand who is with God. Uh, it, it's obvious he's talking about Jesus here. Uh, Vincent, uh, in, in Vincent's word studies, he makes this comment about verse 2. Uh, verse 2, it says he is with, uh, he was with God in the beginning. And, and Vincent makes this correlation or makes this distinction with that word, uh, with. We think of the word with and, and, and it's not hard to understand. Well, you're, if you're with someone, you're in close proximity to them. You're in the same place that they're at. But Vincent makes this, this comment about the Greek word pros, which we translate, uh, uh, we translate with. It denotes not just being near or beside, but it also has the idea of a living union and communion. It implies togetherness. So when it says he was with God, it's, 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 yeah, proximity. Yes, close by. Yes, beside. But it also has the idea of, of sameness and togetherness. Now, you might be thinking, well, what does this all have to do with anything? Uh, occasionally, one of my, my kids will call. And usually when they call, they'll, they'll start out like lots of converse. Hey, what are you doing, dad? And, and so, so maybe I'm saying, "Hey, I, I'm out at uh, I, I'm at Willie's uh, uh, having supper," uh, and and the next question will be almost without fail. The next question will be, "Is mom with you?" Because uh, she always is. I mean, I don't. She doesn't let me go eat Willie's by myself. And uh, uh, so, yeah, mom's with me. So, so their mental pictures, yeah, mom's right there sitting across beside me if we're with another couple, or sitting across from me if it's just. Uh, her and I, and, and maybe another time they call and say, "Hey, Dad, what are you doing?" And and if I say this, well, I'm shopping. Th- this time they won't say, "Is Mom with you?" They say, "Oh, Mom's with you," because <laughs> they know I don't shop. Uh, rarely do I shop. I don't like shopping. Uh, in fact, sometimes they'll ask, "Are, are you in the store? Or are you out in the car?" Because sometimes when I'm shopping with Rita, I most of the time when I'm shopping with Rita, unless we're shopping for something for me. Uh, uh, I'm in the car, 
seat back. So if you ever, please, if you see me and because my mouth will be wide open, don't take a picture and put it on Facebook, okay? Uh, some of you are going to take that as a challenge to find me. You're going to talk to Rita. Hey, are you guys shopping at Coles today? Uh, and look for me. But, but uh, they know that I'm with their mother. Now, maybe I won't be in real close proximity, but they know I'm with their mother. Now, now let's say someone comes up to me sometime and they, they look over at my beautiful bride and they say, well, who's this? And I say, well, this is my, this is my wife, Rita. Uh, I, we, we do life together. We do, I do life with her. Now I don't know that I'd ever say that that way, but, but that's the reality. When, when I say this is my wife, what we're really saying, what, what I mean is, hey, we, we do life together. I'm with her in life. Notice the, notice there's a subtle difference there. We're not just in proximity. We're, man, we are one. So John starts this, this gospel out and he could have said it a, a, a bunch of different ways. He could have, he could have just started out talking about Jesus. He could have started out saying, Hey, my, my, my close friend, my cousin Jesus, let me tell you about this guy. He's something he could have done it a different ways, but, but instead he starts out saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was, was God. So how now, now this is good, this is going to be good stuff here. So if you want to write down in your notes, uh, you're going to want, I'm going to, I'm going to lay some heavy, uh, important, uh, understanding for you here. So how can it be that Jesus is with God, but we, we know it means more than just beside how, how can it be that Jesus is God? It, it it's confusing to us sometimes because, uh, because we re- we read uh, at at Christmas time from from the the Luke account that Jesus was born, and uh, we see Jesus in his ministry a couple times when when he fed the the five thousand. It said he broke the bread and he gave thanks. Well, who was he? Who was he giving thanks to? Was he breaking the bread saying, "Hey, thanks me for"? Uh, no, he was thanking. You know, he was praying to God. We we see Jesus oftentimes going up on a mountainside by himself. And it says he, he did that to pray. Who was he praying to? Was he praying to himself or was he praying to the Father? He cried out in the garden. Oh, if there's any other way to take this, who was he crying to? We, we see him on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, so it's kind of confusing, isn't it? If, if Jesus is God and yet he's not God, what, what in the world is he talking about? I, I heard this week and I thought, well, it was perfect timing. I heard Pastor Robbie Zacharias make this comment, uh, from, from the Old Testament scripture that said that, that a child is born and a son is given. And he pointed out that, that there's a difference there, that Jesus came as a child that was born, but he was a son who was given. He was always the son. So, so what it comes up with, and, and, and you probably figured out this where we're going, what it comes up is, is with the teaching of the Trinity. Um, the, the Trinity is simply this, that we believe, and it's what we believe as a church here. We believe that there's God the Father. We believe that there's God the Son, and we believe that there's God the Holy Spirit. Now, now I'm going to get, get in some deep water here, uh, right now, and, and, and uh, bless you, by the way. Uh, and I do want to point out, when I go swimming, if I jump into deep water, I don't stay there very long. 
when I jump into deep water, even though I can swim and uh, I can dog paddle and I can float, not on my back. I can't float on my back. I can float on my belly. Uh, you just have to keep lifting your head up to breathe. But uh, uh, but when I get in deep water, you know, usually what I do when I jump in deep water, I don't stay there long. I, I paddle over the side and hold on the side of the pool. So we're not going to stay here. We're not going to stay deep for very long because because I'm I know I'm I'm losing some. I've lost myself. I'm not even interested at this point. Uh, but but here's here's my explanation of the Trinity. You want you're going to want to write this down because I know some of you are thinking, how can it be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? I don't understand. You're going to understand today, or at least you're going to understand what I understand today. How can He be be with God and God at the same time? Are you ready? Got your? Anyone need a pen? Let me give you the answer. I don't know. <laughs> I wish I did. I, I wish I could explain how it is. I can't. John doesn't go into detail here and, and give us a great big theological uh, lesson on how it is, but it just is. See, there's lots of things I don't understand. I don't understand how I can I can uh, hit a bunch of buttons on my cell phone and then hit send, and suddenly I'm talking to someone halfway across the world. I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand how I can hit a button on my remote and the TV comes on. Some of you might be able to explain that a little bit, but I don't understand. You know, I don't even understand, and I know a lot of you can do this one. I don't even understand how I can turn the key to my car and my engine starts. I don't, I don't know. It just does. So I'll, I'll be honest. I don't understand how the Trinity is, but John thought it important for us to understand that Jesus, that Jesus, who he will tell us later on, went to the cross, and rose from the dead to cover our sins, to die. For, it's important that we know that he is. Now, n- n- let me let me try one short thing, one small way to make us understand. I, I got a phone call probably about a month ago from my oldest son, Brian, and, and uh, I answered the phone, and, and uh, he said, uh, what are you doing? Uh, uh, just hanging out at the house. Mom there? Yeah, mom's here. I'm with mom. And uh, then he said, hey, Dad, who is George German? And and I I I I remember thinking that is weird. That is random. Where did you hear of George German? Now now occasionally Brian's run across people. He's called me before and said, "Hey Dad, do you know this guy? I just ran into this guy and he knows you." He when he when he went to Oklahoma, the church the first Sunday he was at the church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He 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 called and said, "Hey Dad, Dad, I met a guy who knew Grandpa. Who Grandpa used to ref his basketball games. Like man, that's random." So so he said, "Who's George German?" And I said, "Well, George German, he's a relative, Brian. He's uh." And then I had to stop and think, well. Now, how is, how am I related to George German? I, and, and I kind of put it together. He was my, my dad. So Brian's grandpa's first cousin. And then I went on to say, well, that was Aunt Nellie, who was grandma's or granny's sister. That was her. You know, it got it kind of detailed from there. I said, how in the, why are you asking? Well, Brian had just one, done one of those DNA tests. I don't know if it was 23andMe or, 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 or which one it was, but he had just got his report back and the report said, uh, in his report said, you are related to Becky Mays. He knew who that was. That's Aunt Becky. That's my oldest sister. 
And then it said, you are related to George German. And Brian had never heard that name before. They were connected. Why? Because of DNA. When you looked at who they were, now I don't know what the percentage was when it got down to third or fourth cousin George German, but but the DNA connected. So I don't understand how, but the the son, the father, the Holy Spirit have exactly the same DNA. Okay, let, let's move on. What does it mean? Why does John? Why does John start out? In the beginning was the Word. A commentator said this to the Greeks, uh, and, and the Greek word for word there is the word logos. Uh, you, you may have run across that uh, at, at one time or another, even in culture. Uh, he says to to the Greeks, the logos represented the 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 soul of the universe. It was the rationale, the rational principle from which everything came, a creative, stabilizing, governing force of the universe, much like. If you watch the, the Star Wars movies, much like the force in the Star Wars, that's how the Greeks would have, that's how they understood this word logos. It, it was more than just a word. It was, man, this is word. Uh, to the Hebrews, logos was identified with the word of God. In the Old Testament, the word of God is connected with God's active power. His word represented his actions in creation, revelation, deliverance, covenant, guidance, and judgment. The word of God represented his actions, his self-revelation, and how he showed himself and acted. So when John uses the term logos, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. It's a term that appeals to both Greek and to Hebrews. It's a term that captured the attention of the Greek philosophers, the Jewish scholars, and even the average citizen. So, so why, so we catch what it means. We catch that it's a powerful word. It's a encompassing word, but why? Because when he used the word logos, it implied a title. See, it may be, it may be lost on us, but there's a title there. When he called Jesus the word, it, 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 it means Something or would have meant something to them, and it should to us. Uh, I, I was watching a couple of years ago a documentary on Habitat for Humanity. They were they were at a house that was being built in New York City, and they were interviewed some of the people that had volunteered there, and, and they were talking to one lady about her experience. He said, "Man, one day this was it was an exciting day. We were were working on the house when a guy comes jogging up, and we notice him jogging from down the street, and." And when I saw him, something didn't look quite right because he, he was jogging kind of slow. He's a little bit older, but he was jogging slow and there were a bunch of other guys around him and they, just the way they surrounded this guy, he said it looked a little bit, it just looked strange. But they, they jogged up and the guy stopped in front. And, and when he stopped at the house, I looked at him. I thought, man, that guy looks familiar. He looks familiar. And finally someone said, Hey, that's President Carter. If you know anything about President Jimmy Carter, he was very active and still is. Is he still alive, by the way? I can't remember. If he's dead, he's not still active. But if he is, is he still, he is active. But very active in Habitat for Humanity, uh, really pushed that ministry and, and, and that work. And, and so, so Jimmy Carter jogs up to a Habitat house and stops her. And the lady said, hey, that's President Jimmy Carter. Now, now he wasn't president anymore. Someone else was president. But he never lost the title. He never lost the title. He's still the president. So, so there is a, a, a title when he says in the beginning was the word. It, 
it was a little bit deeper than just saying, hey, this Jesus. It was, hey, catch this. There's a title. And by giving him a title, he's making a claim. He's making a claim of who Jesus was. And that's the real reason. That's why he starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, because he's saying that Jesus had a title that meant something, and this is who he is. This is who he is. When I was in, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I worked for about a year at McDonald's. Uh, and, uh, you could always tell a manager at McDonald's, it's, it was, it stood out easily because the rest of us had, had blue pants on and this, this awful smock kind of shirt that we had to wear, uh, with a couple golden arches on the, the crest. And, but the managers all wore slacks and a button down shirt. Some of them had the McDonald's thing on them. Some of them didn't, but they, they all looked nice. They were always dressed with a button down shirt, oftentimes a tie and nice slacks. And so, so they stood out. You knew who the manager were. I'd worked there about two or three months and I walked in one, one evening. I clocked in about 4.30 in, in the afternoon to, to start and, and I saw a manager type standing at the grill. Uh, and in fact, let me, let me put it this way. I heard him first because I heard him barking out orders. And, and let me be honest. My first thought was, oh, great. We have a new manager that doesn't know what he's doing. Cause a lot of our managers, about half of our managers had no idea what they were doing when they were back in our territory. It's almost like you guys go back up front or go back to the office. Leave us alone. We know what we're doing. You don't, but you like to come back and boss us. Anyone else uh, have that? That's work anywhere, right? So, um, so. So my first thought was, here's this bozo who thinks he knows what he's doing, trying to tell someone else what what to do. And I thought, man, it's going to be a long night with this guy here. And and uh, so I clock in and start up, and then I see the guy, and he's kind of a big guy, and and his face is red, and he's still barking out orders. And finally, I, I look over to someone and said, said, who's the new manager? And he looked at me and said, well, that's not the manager. That's Jim McDougal. He's the owner. Oh, yeah, Mr. McDougal, nice to meet you. What do you want me to do? Uh, boy, it all changed with the title. Because with the title owner, uh, there, there's a claim there that, that changed everything. So John starts out that way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you don't believe the title, you won't believe the claim. And if you accept the title, if you accept that that's who Jesus is, then the claim makes a difference. And, and, and let's finish here. Just one last question. Well, where do we go then? Where do we go? What, what happens because Jesus was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was there from the start. He was with God in creation. Where do we go? Well, the first thing we realize is the Word becomes real. Uh, Jesus becomes real to us. Jesus becomes not someone that's far off, but someone that is a part of our life that we can put our hope and our trust and our faith in. The Word becomes real. In his second book in uh, in his series, The Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis wrote, uh, it's the book called Prince Caspian. He, he, he tells of this encounter when Lucy re-encounters Aslan. Aslan was the lion that symbolized or represented the person of Christ. It says that Lucy, Lucy gazed into his large, wise face 
and, and Aslan says to her, welcome child. And, and then Lucy responds back, Aslan, you're, you're bigger. Uh, and, and then he says, that's because you are older, little one. And then Lucy puzzled, kind of says, not because you, you are, not because you're bigger. And Aslan says, I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. The word, when we realize the, the title, the claim, when we realize who Jesus is, the word becomes real. It's not an abstract idea. God is real in the person of Jesus. And finally, that word changes us. When we come in contact with Jesus, then we are changed. I'll close with this. Several, uh, several years ago, Rita and I uh, went down to Springfield to visit our son Joel and uh, Heidi and their kids. We were we were staying at their house. It was it had to be either early spring or late fall. Uh, and I got up early on Saturday morning and decided to take a walk. Uh, I got up and it was one of those mornings that was chilly. There was a little bit of frost on the ground and and I remember as I walked through their neighborhood, I I I, I could notice the frost on on some of the roofs. Uh, it was fairly, fairly thick. And, and as I continued to walk, the sun came up a little bit more and, and it was nice. It just started to warm up a little bit and kind of an interesting thing happened. You, as I walked through yards, you could see yards where, were, that were shaded and you could see the line where the sun had shone and where the sun had shone there, the frost had melted off. Uh, and, and it was just as plain as, as could be where the sun hit. It was different. I came around the corner to, to turn to go down the last block to their house, and I, I glanced up, and I, it, it, it shocked me. In fact, I stopped and stood and stared at it for a little while. I should have taken a picture, but I didn't. I, I stopped and looked, and because uh, what I was looking at was the outline of a tree on a roof. See, the, 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 the tree had shaded the, the frost on this roof, and so where the sun had hit, the frost had melted off. But in the perfect shape of the tree, where the sun had been blocked, was the outline of that tree on the roof. When, when we come in contact with the sun, when the Word who was with God, who was God, when the Word, who who was there at creation, that, that the, the Word that is, is God, but is also the Holy Spirit, but is the Son. I don't know. When you figure it out, let me know. But when we come in contact with that, when that touches us, it changes us. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your word that tells us about the word, the word uh, who is Jesus. Father, I thank you for, uh, for, for the writings of John as he explains to us who Jesus is. Father, as we study this gospel, as we look at the life of Jesus, let, let the love, the life, the ministry of Jesus change us. In his name we pray. John goes on uh, in the gospel from this point forward. When he talks about Jesus, he calls him Jesus. But he started out by establishing who he was and his power. Would you stand as we sing?